Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. Jonathan Dunn, streaming live from Rick Bonfim Ministries. And we are doing part four of the Cross series for the month of February. And if you haven't been following us, I'll let you know we have five, we have five teachings running parallel. Pastor Rick is studying the book of Leviticus all month, and it's powerful. And then I have four teachings on the Cross, and then uh, we have four teachings from Andy Hines, on the resurrection, we have four teachings from Dr. Gene Thomas on the ascension, and four teachings from Dr. Frank Appel on the resu- no, the second coming, the return of Christ. So we have five parallel series going on uh, to present a package, and I hope you've been blessed by that. It's been incredible to go through it together, and looking forward to doing part four of the cross. And we've talked about how uh, the cross provides. We looked at the first, the crucifixion story of Jesus out of Mark chapter 15. Then we talked about the cross as the means of forgiveness for our sins. We talked about, last time we talked about the cross as a way of life, following in Jesus and, his, and, and the call to take up your cross daily. And, but this morning we have to look at the cross as the pathway to receiving the Holy Spirit. I cannot do a series on the cross without talking about the Holy Spirit of God that fills the believer. Because Jesus said in uh, chapter 16 of John, this is, uh, this is what's called uh, the, uh, the farewell discourse. It's chapters 14 through 17 of the Gospel of John. In case you didn't know that. You know, we come up with these fun names. And if you haven't been in church, you don't know what they are. But that's what it is. Because Jesus has uh, a long three chapters of talking to his, or four chapters of talking to his disciples about just instructing them, encouraging them, and 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 then they, he prays for them uh, and the world. This beautiful prayer in chapter 17, and part of part of his instructions to the disciples as he's preparing to go to Jerusalem and suffer at the cross is he starts talking to them about how the Holy Spirit, after He suffers the cross and is resurrected and ascends into heaven, after all that, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And so He can't look towards the cross and not talk to His disciples about the Holy Spirit. So I can't do a series on the cross and not talk to you about the Holy Spirit. I went to a missions conference this weekend, and this is going to sound prideful, and I just don't care. Okay, but out of all of the ministries that I saw there, and there's some great ones. Okay, I don't don't get me wrong, cause, and they're doing what God's called them to do. But after out of all the ministries that I saw there, it came to me. Uh, I don't remember when it was. At some point during the weekend, that I think ours was the only ministry present that emphasizes the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the believer as necessary to accomplish the Christian goal. And I said to myself, you know what? I don't, I'm not here to try to get this church to like us because we're never going to give that up no matter what. And I hope, I hope that they continue because I think that church has been blessed by the partnership. We've been blessed by them. But if for some reason they decide not to continue with us, I mean, we're not going to stop for money. Talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to stop validating that every believer who wants it can Pray in the Spirit, can pray in tongues, can have a personal prayer language. And uh, 
Well, that's personal testimony. So, in chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, Jesus says to his disciples, in verse 7 of chapter 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. Okay? It is expedient for you that I go away. In other words, I'm looking towards the cross and the resurrection. I'm looking forward towards the ascension. And, and it's beneficial to you that I go through all of that. I have to go through those things. For if I go not away, in other words, if I don't endure the cross, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come. That's a scary thought. To me, I mean, it doesn't have to be scary because Jesus did endure the cross. But without the cross, Jesus says the Holy Spirit couldn't have come. And we'll look at that. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. And thank God, He did endure that cross for my sake and for yours. And because of that, it opened the door for the Holy Spirit to come and fill the believer with power. Not just power to... You know, do signs and wonders? Yes, healings. Power over demonic oppression. Power to minister to others. But also power to be fruitful for the kingdom. Power to forgive. Oh. Power to repent of your sins. Power to treat others with mercy and kindness. When you would rather treat them, uh, repay evil with evil, the Holy Spirit gives you power to repay evil with good. And man, that's just that's a whole series on its own. Actually, Pastor Rick has some wonderful stuff on the, the Holy Spirit on our website. So go look at those series. This is not meant to be a series on, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and, and all the wonderful things the Spirit does. But this is a this is a Bible study about why did Jesus have to endure the cross for the Holy Spirit to come? Because see, Jesus is forward thinking. He's trying to help the disciples understand that there's a plan in motion. That God's doing something. That, that, and He's looking forward to that plan. And, you know, He's got in His mind uh, Joel chapter 2, right? That's quoted by, by Peter uh, at, on the day of Pentecost. It's Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. These famous verses. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will... Pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. Just pour it out. You know, this idea that the Holy Spirit is so selective. I mean that. The Lord says he, He's going to just pour it. Pouring means, you know what pouring something is. It just, gravity just pulls it out. And it just goes everywhere. He's going to pour it out. So, so why does Jesus say that the Holy Spirit can only come after He departs? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit cannot fill unredeemed people. Okay? Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit of God cannot fill unredeemed people. Why? Well, verses like Habakkuk. Isn't that your favorite book in the Bible? 
you know, can't find it. <laughs> Go find Habakkuk. It's in there, I promise you. It's one of the minor prophets right after Nahum. Of course, then you got to find Nahum. <laughs> right? Habakkuk. Right? He says in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 13, he's talking to God, and this is, this is a true statement. This is the word of the Lord says, Your eyes, meaning God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. And so the Holy Spirit of God cannot live inside of a person who is not redeemed from their sins. The Holy Spirit and sin are incompatible. So Jesus through the cross provides a path for us to be completely forgiven from our sins. And then the Holy Spirit can fill the believer. Not because we are sinless, but because we're forgiven of our sins. Okay, you hear that? Hold on. Okay, let me say it again. Okay. The Holy Spirit of God is able to fill the believer not because the believer is sinless, but because we're forgiven of our sins. So we have wonderful verses like uh like uh Second Corinthians five seventeen, those famous verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not charging their trespasses against them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So, because of Jesus and because we are made into a new creation at the moment of salvation, okay, and we are dead to sin, then the Holy Spirit can fill us. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit and sin are incompatible. And so that's why there's a division. At the moment of salvation, you're forgiven of your sins and the Holy Spirit can come in. And it breaks my heart that the Western world preaches the cross and doesn't preach about the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? By the way, that's not worldwide. That's not the worldwide church. Primarily, it's in the Western church that preaches the cross. But see, as Jesus was looking towards the cross, He was talking about the Holy Spirit already. Even before the cross, Jesus is already talking about the Holy Spirit and how it's going to come and how it needs to come. And so, we cannot talk about the cross only as a church and bring people to a moment of salvation and not teach them that there's a something that happens after that Jesus said was going to happen and the Holy Spirit would come and fill you up and give you power to live the Christian life. And so that's why our, sometimes our churches are filled with a bunch of Christians who are saved, but they have no power. I got some amens on that one. There are many churches filled with people who know they're saved, 
but there's no power because nobody has taught them to receive the Holy Spirit. Nobody's prayed over them and said, receive the Holy Spirit of God. You know, one of Paul's focuses in his missionary journeys was the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's all over the book of Acts. You read about it. He, 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 he finds the guys in, in, in Ephesians 19, not Ephesians, in Ephesus, in uh, Acts 19. And they say we were in the baptism of John. And, and, and Paul knows right away, oh, you're about to experience something. Puts his hand on these ten guys and they're filled with the Spirit. I mean, Paul, Paul was, everywhere he went, he wanted to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Gospel opened to the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, it came with the Holy Spirit falling upon the Gentiles as Christ was preached. And faith rose up in the hearts and the Holy Spirit just came down on the Gentiles. And so we see here in uh, Romans fifteen nineteen, Paul is talking about his missionary experience and going all over the place. I mean, going throughout Asia Minor and Greece and everything. And he says, he says here, for... Um, I will dare not speak of any of those things which Christ has wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word or deed through mighty signs and wonders by the Spirit of God. By mighty signs and wonders. The mighty signs and wonders by the Spirit of God was part of Paul's methodology for missions. Was the Holy Spirit filling the life of the believer? Because Jesus said it was going to come. How, how, are we going to, how are we going to ignore it? Oh, I'm only on page one. God help me. I'm 15 minutes, page one. I've got three more pages. It ain't going to happen. All right. So sins had to be forgiven. The old covenant of the law had to be fulfilled, which is accomplished by Jesus as a sinless, perfect life. Our sins had to be dealt with before the Holy Spirit could come and make His dwelling within us. So my question to you, first question this morning is, have you been filled with the Spirit? Are you saved? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's another step. Don't miss it. Don't miss out. It's the filling of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you don't, your experience is not going to be exactly like mine. But there is a filling of the Spirit. By the way, there's also a filling of the Spirit Every day, there's a there's there's an experience, and then there's a daily filling, and then there's another experience later on, and then there's a daily filling of the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit it happens once, and then it happens every day, and then it happens again. It comes in moments of watershed moments where the Lord just heals you or or fills you anew or gives you a new anointing. I mean, don't limit the Holy Spirit of God and what He can do in your life. Don't reject it. Please, just be open to it. I can't talk about the cross without talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I think that would... Honestly, I think that grieves God. I, I, I think... Honestly, I believe that that really mocks the cross. I really believe 
that Jesus, to say that Jesus suffered on the cross and that I would not be open to the Holy Spirit that He said would come really mocks the cross because He, he said that's the process. I'm going to go, I'm going to endure this, and then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit into your life. And so we say, okay, thanks for the cross, Jesus, but I'll pass on the Holy Spirit. I think that's really offensive to our Lord Jesus and what He did to us. I hope, I hope I'm stepping on your toes a little bit. Maybe enough to open your heart if you've been closed off to this. I hope I'm not offending you to the point that you're running away. But there's a lot more than we really understand. I mean, God's plan of salvation is powerful. Okay. So, let's tie this back to, uh, to Leviticus real quick, just for fun. Okay? This whole process of being filled with the Spirit was prophesied many times in the Scriptures. I read the Joel one to you. Okay, also Ezekiel has a beautiful one. We love this one in our ministry because uh, this is the one that we talk about, you know, with, with, uh, when Pastor Rick takes water and just throws it on people in the altar. You know, this is, so we love this one. This is Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. This is a prophecy. Okay, Ezekiel is seeing into the future, and the Lord's putting this in his heart to write it down. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Notice the cleansing happens first. The cross, salvation, purification of sins, forgiveness of sins. Then I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. But it only happens after the cleansing. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments and do them. So it's also foreshadowed in the book of Leviticus. As, as uh, in Leviticus 8 and 9, and Pastor Rick has two teachings of Leviticus 8 on our website, so go find them. It talks about the consecration of the priests. Okay? And man, it was involved. Okay, Chloe, I want you to imagine taking a ram... You know, a ram has got the, got the horns. They won the Super Bowl this year. Okay? Okay? Imagine taking a ram and killing it and cutting it open, butchering it, and putting it on an altar, and take out the kidneys and the liver and fat, cleaning it, washing it, and burning it on the altar. How'd you like to do that? That's what they had to do. That's what they had to do. Read it, Leviticus 8 and 9. When the, when, the, when the priests, Aaron and all of his sons, were being ordained to be ministers to the Lord, they had to, they had to butcher animals. Butchers are anointed to the Lord, by the way. <laughs> it's not easy to butcher an animal. That's an art form. Anyway, you got to have a, right, a good knife, too. I don't know where they got a knife sharp enough to do that in Leviticus. I mean, I guess they had to stand there for a long time with, you know, and just, with a sharpening stone and just, anyway... Okay, so first they had to be washed with water. Then they had to put on all these, all this garment, these clothing. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Describes it. It's amazing. You know, to, to read what all, you know, diadems and, a, and something on their heads and then a shawl and then all kinds of, you know, breastplate with all kinds of jewels in it. Okay? Then they had to be anointed with oil. Then they had to offer a bull. 
right? And you know how big a bull is, right? Big old bull, a ram, and then a second ram, okay? And then they then they had to take some of the blood of the ram and put it on the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Pastor Rick talks about that. Then they have to take then they have to take you know the 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 unleavened bread and they have to take the meat and they have to do a wave offering before the Lord with it. That's that's why we raise hands in church, you know. We don't hold we don't hold raw meat anymore, but we <laughs> okay. Then after you know all these things they had to do, they had to they had to stay in the temple for seven days. Seven days they couldn't leave the temple. They had to stay there seven days. So this is a this is a commitment. This is a process, okay. So they had to do it. Then on the eighth day, does that sound familiar? On the eighth day, right? That's in the Gospel of John when on the eighth day Mary went to the tomb and Jesus was, wasn't there. On the eighth day, another sin offering for the priests and for the people. Okay, more animals. A bull, a ram, a male goat, grain offerings. Okay, all of this happens for two chapters. And, you know, for those of us with a short attention span who scroll Instagram and Facebook, you know, and... Within the first few verses, if you don't see what you want to see, you just get lost. You know, that's the <laughs> that's the mind of that's the that's the mind of a Facebook or Instagram person, right? You don't see something interesting right away, you just keep scrolling, you just keep scrolling, right? But at the end of all of this, days of sacrificing animals, I don't. I want to read to you what happens. I want to read to you what happens. This is Leviticus nine twenty three. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then, after all this process of cleansing and sacrificing, atoning for sins and sin offerings and burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. Ooh. I'd like to see that. That might be worth butchering a ram. And the fat on the altar, when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Hey, falling out in the Spirit is Old Testament. Don't tell me that's new. <laughs> people were falling down in the Old Testament when the Lord came. Don't tell me we can't do it today. Come on now. So all of that was for the Spirit of God to come and the glory of the Lord to be revealed. So what is God saying about all that? God is saying that sin, once it is atoned for by the person of Jesus Christ, I can send my Holy Spirit, I can send the glory of the Lord into your heart. And, I can, and you will see the glory and it will fill you and it will change your life forever. That's what that's what Leviticus eight and nine is saying to us. He is preparing our hearts for the concept that when sin is atoned for, God can come. And so, at once Jesus went to the cross and atoned for sin once and for all for the perfect sacrifice, it made the way for the Holy Spirit of God to be released upon the face of the earth, and the world's never been the same. The world has never been the same. 
Because now you have people who are filled with the power of God. Now you have millions of people filled with the power of God. And that is historical. Hallelujah. So, are you filled with the power of God today? Are you living a defeated Christian life? Good question to ask ourselves. Do you feel like you're living a defeated Christian life? Where the same problems continue to come up, the same thoughts keep disturbing your mind. You had your salvation experience, right? But, man, you just feel like you're spinning your wheels. You can't get anything done for the Lord. You, you feel stuck. You, you can't move forward. I mean, you hear all these other people talking about how the Lord did this, and, and then you see somebody talk about how they got set free and how you know God healed them here and they prayed for somebody here and something great happened and you're there and you're saying, man, that, that's not happening for me. Oh, I guess God just doesn't have that for me. I guess I'm just going to live the defeated Christian life. I want you to know that's a, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's the opposite of what Jesus said would happen. Let's look at it. Acts. One eight. One of our favorite verses, right? Love it. Acts one eight. This ain't really a Bible study. I'm just preaching to you this morning. I hope that's okay. Acts one eight. But you shall receive power. Power. We're not talking about worldly power that comes from having money or influence or political position. No. Power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And actually it says... You shall be witnesses unto me. In other words, the first thing the Holy Spirit does is daily remind you that Jesus died for your sins. And so you witness to Jesus first. Thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross for my sins. I declare it today. And then you have power to witness to others because you can witness in your own heart to Jesus. Catch that on the, in the text there. It's interesting. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is convicts you daily reminding you that the, that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, that you're forgiven and set free, and that the lies of the devil don't have hold over our lives anymore. And so, and then you can be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, there's nothing you can't do for the Lord. There's nowhere you can't go and be useful. Wherever you are, the Lord can use you to witness to who He is. And you don't have to be... You kind of start coming out of this idea that you're afraid somebody's going to make fun of you for being a Christian. And you start to realize, I'm proud to be a Christian. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Somebody could say whatever you want about me. I don't care. I'm standing up for my Savior. I love my Savior. I'm not backing down from that. Man, things will open up. 
Things will open up. You, you start being free and, and the Holy Spirit, as you read the Scriptures, will begin to, you'll begin to see things you've never seen. You'll begin to pray for people and the Lord will, will tell you exactly what to pray and you, you won't feel lost in your prayer life anymore. You know, and the Lord will start enabling you to forgive others, you know, and, and, and begin to be, be healed from past hurts and rejection and, and, and all the, the stuff that happened to you before you got saved. And, and the Lord will just begin to heal you and put you back together and, and give you a life that is fruitful for the kingdom. And man, you'll have so much joy. It's wonderful. Please be open to the Holy Spirit. Don't stop at the cross. Because even before Jesus went to the cross, He was already telling the disciples that they were going to need the Holy Spirit. So, I think it's fitting that we be open to it as well. I hope you're with me on that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got some really good Bible studies coming up right after this. Have a great day. Bye-bye.